I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. I didn't have a title before I got here, but I'm just going to call it, and he passed by and declared his name. Exodus chapter 33, verses 12 through 19. A little bit of text here, so I'm going to read it kind of quickly. And Moses said unto the Lord, I'll let you guys get there first. If you're there, say amen. Thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt sin with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast found grace in thy sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me thy way, that I may know thee, that I might find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he, and everybody said, Jesus said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he, Moses, said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Question mark. Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he, Moses, said, I beseech you, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And the Lord said, he replied, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. We'll pray and ask God, Lord, I love you. I worship you, God. God, there's no greater name. God, I pray for your presence. I pray for your will, God. I don't want to speak for myself. God, I want to speak. Use me as a voice to proclaim your word, God, to your people. God, I ask for your blessing, God. I need you more than anything. Oh, you can clap your hands unto the Lord and you may be seated. I'm somewhere between stubborn and stupid because I refuse to get a tablet. I'm just saying. I'm just, I'm just refusing. I'm declaring it right now. Brother Hill, you got a tablet yet? That's good. See, Brother Hill should stand behind me. Not get a tablet. You can stand behind me. We'll do that's fine. Go ahead. I would get one, but I don't have the money to get one. There you go. <laughs> so he's standing with me somewhere between stubborn and stupid. But I'll tell you, we live, we live in a generation to where they'll believe in a virus that they can't tangibly see, but they won't believe in a God that they could tangibly feel, if you will. It's kind of stupid. It's somewhere between stubborn and stupid that the Internet can teach you more than God's Word. I don't know why I'm talking about this. It just felt like it. Going back to my text. It was a difficult time for Moses. It's hard to imagine the emotional state that he was in. Having this remarkable conversation with God 
going from where he had been to where he was in such a short time, having just came down from that mountain, having spent the past 40 days in the presence of God, experienced something so great, so mind-boggling. What a great experience. Far beyond anything you and I could imagine. In this 10-month, or 10-day and 1-month period of time, Moses communed and, in, and was engulfed by the presence of God. Imagine it. Church every day for 40 days. But beyond that, his very being was overwhelmed with the magnificent presence of God. The same God that fills our sanctuary because we declare His name. That God, holy in purity of a righteous God, Moses stood there and communed with God who just created him for 40 days. I can't even imagine what that felt like. Receiving. Think about what he got. The tables, the tables of stone from God that God fashioned himself. It was an encounter. This encounter that gave him the plan of the tabernacle which must have been in a vision, because later he proclaimed, Moses, build it like I showed it to you. At this time, Moses entered into an entirely new and different relationship with God and mankind. A new dispensation of time started in those 40 days. How can we describe such an awesome experience? The power and the authority of God so tangible Hearing the audio audible voice of God with his literal ear. God communed with this man for 40 days in a, in a way that you and I could only dream about. Having the celestial experience in the terrestrial. Changing this man forever. Taking him to a place where there's no going back. No return. This life changing experience. A spiritual high. We try to reach every Sunday and every Wednesday if we're staying in the book. And then he came down. And he climbed right down into a spiritual low. The Bible mentions three hells. Two are literal and one is allegorical. The first, the Israelites called Hades, which means the unknown grave mentioned by Jesus in the parable of the rich and the poor man. The second is the lake of fire found in Revelation 20, 13 through 14, in which hell is cast into. The third, which Moses was about to experience. The third takes place in the terrestrial or in our lives. Psalms 116 and 3 says, The sorrows of death compassed me, and the pains of hell got a hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. You've got to look at that. This man is alive and he's writing this psalm. Moses climbed down from that mountain into a living hell. The children of Israel, God's chosen people, dancing naked before a golden calf. Moses on his descent down. The raging infernos that compassed him and raged inside of him, was joined by Joshua. 
Joshua, having misunderstood what he heard, said, Moses, we've got to get our arm. We've got... He thought it was a battle. He thought Israel was getting ready for battle. He thought they came down from that mountain. And he said, Moses, they're in war. Moses didn't even respond. Hurting and enraged, hell already had its grip on him. He knew because God knew. So overwhelmed with the emotion by what he saw. So enraged by the hell that had compassed about him. By the inferno. He took that physical blessing. The one tangible thing he brought down from that mountain. And he shattered it. Charging into the camp. He destroyed the calf, burned it, melted it down and made them drink it. The inferno raged on. So the proclamation came. Who is on the Lord's side? Those who didn't were slaughtered. An order given by Moses himself. Putting brother against brother. Tribe versus tribe. 3,000 men perished. After this bloody tragedy, Moses sends everyone home. Blood still on the ground. He sought the face of God again. And here's where the greatest intercession in the book takes place. Moses intercedes with God, but there's something else happening under the surface here. Something that you don't plainly see. Changed happened in Moses. We notice it as we, we look at his words. God, if you're not going to forgive them. God, if you're not going to save them. If you're going to blot them out then take me out too. If you're not going to put them in your book, then take me out of your book too. Take me out as well. No, said the Lord, I'm tired. I'm sick, Moses, of their complaining. I'll just take you and I'll start over. Moses answered. And God sees the change that happened in Moses that day. See, it, it sets that there's value when you spend time with the Master or when you spend time in the presence of God. Something changes about a person. So Moses responds in a way that you and I would never respond. He says, no, you can't do that because there's something more at stake here. Far more worthy than me. Far more worthy than anything on this tangible earth. Your word is at stake here, God. And it's more valuable than me. It's more valuable than them. But God, you can't take them. Moses' intercession moved God and stayed the hand of judgment because of the change. It's not just the intercession. It's not just the denoting intercession. But it reveals the change that Moses had in his mind. See, Moses became kingdom-minded. There was something else going on. God's work at this moment became His work. Eyes fashioned on redemption and the kingdom like His Savior thousands of years later. Moses is changed and he's kingdom-minded. He orders him next. 
with salvation in his eyes. He says, build the tabernacle. He said, I've got to be about my father's business. There's something greater than you or I. And for the first time, that tabernacle stood in the middle of the congregation. Despite the hell around him, he still desires to please God. If anybody at this point could be bitter, Moses could have walked away from a God. He could have walked away from salvation. He could have became bitter and said, you know what? It's not worth it. There's nothing worth the pain and the hell that I'm going through. But Moses didn't. He stood in the glimpse of everybody else turning their back on God. He said, no. There's something greater. There's something more that I'm pushing on for. There's something more that drives me now because I spent time with Him. I'm declaring His name because He's changed me. I'm looking at salvation. Salvation for everybody else. Despite the pain, despite the suffering that I go through, there's something more to this than just me and my family. God. He said, God, your word's at stake here. Your name's at stake here. What would everybody else say? What would the world say if I turned my back? I'm way outside my nose. Paul said it best when he said, We crucify the Lord afresh if I walk away. If I change my mind now, something else, something far greater than me is at stake at this moment. So this tabernacle stood and it would serve as a center of their relationship with God for centuries to come. So then at this moment, the first service happens. I want you to go there with me in your mind. There's, the first service happens. There's no choir. There's no trumpets. There's no praise. The drums didn't beat in the background. Nobody worshipped. Just silence. And a lonely solitary figure moves in the distance and he makes his way through the camp broken hearted he's ordered every man to stand at the front of his tent and every man watches this lone man walk through the through the congregation standing at the front of their tents they watch a man what's on such a spiritual high they watch him battle through the hell that engulfs his life now. Scars haven't taken their toll. Bruised and battered. Battle has made him weak. And now he walks alone and silence fills the air. Where there should be praise, there should be worship. One man walks broken. He came to the tabernacle and pushed the badger's skin aside. And he steps in. There Moses worships God alone. The pillar of fire and the cloud descend and hovered over the door of the sanctuary and God enters His sanctuary. In this holy place, Moses has a conversation that, I was, that was my text. Crushed and wounded, his dreams are dashed. His visions shattered. Where he was leading his people is now lost. His life and where it was going destroyed. His hopes 
are taken from him. Yes, he has every right to be bitter. But what does he do instead? He worships anyway. Desperation replaces the flames of hell now. Falling off. They have no place when you're alone with God and you're crying out His name. Desperately seeking something from God. Questions start to fill his mind. He says with none of the authority he had before, he says this, I pray you, if what you told me is true, and I have found grace in your sight, if I know you, and if you know my name, if you have called me, if I have your blessings in my life, if you have claimed my family, and every word that you've ever spoken to me is true, if you have anointed me, if I am yours and you are mine, to this place, to this city, to this people, show me your way. Remember who just spoke these words. To us it's not just some mere man. This is Moses, the friend of God. He heard the voice of God from a burning bush. He stood in front of Pharaoh and declared God's word. He called down the plagues. Water turned to blood. Frogs crawled from the river. Lice infested their homes. Flies swarmed. Hell fell from heaven. Darkness overtook the entire land. Death came by every door. He parted the steeds. He brought water from a rock. And his face shined with glory from being in that mountaintop experience for 40 days of being in the presence of God. And the same man reached a point, reached a spiritual low where he said, God, do I even know you? Am I even still your child? How many of you have experienced this? I know I for one have. Heaven is shut up. I don't even feel the presence of God anymore. Show me your way. Let me know that I am yours. Hell has a way of distorting. But where he was, the distance between that challenge and the change that was taking place in his life, crying out for renewal, for change, for the glory of his Savior, it was no accident that the first prayer in the tabernacle was a prayer for renewal and revival. So I tell you, we are not exempt from this valley. God changing us and putting us and giving us before us putting this before us, the distance between our challenge and the change. The climb, the crossing into a place where I am changed. Hallelujah, Jesus. When we want this change and we take a stand for God's Word, that's when all hell breaks loose in our lives. That's where we have to stand despite everybody else. Let him leave. But stand there and declare His righteousness. Declare His Word. I've never seen God back down 
when you declare His Word. You and I, that's what we have to do. That's what this life is about. Declaring His name. We have a spiritual decadent world. It's broken. You look around. You look out there. Take one look. Go outside and stand and watch people drive by. So busy. So busy. They don't even take time for hope. I'm reminded when Jesus came to this earth. You had a city, a little village, so busy. So busy. That next morning the innkeeper woke up and I know he was so busy. His inn was full. He had a million different things to do. The people setting up merchants because all kinds of people are coming to this little village. This little town. That next morning, did anybody think, what happened to the young couple that came in last night so late? Did anybody sit there and say, did anybody notice? Was it a conversation over breakfast? That lady was pregnant. Is she okay? Nobody cared because they were too busy. And so God was born in filth. If you ask that innkeeper, do you realize who you just sent to be born with the pigs? Do you realize the God of heaven and earth you sent out in the cold? He would have been too busy and he would have looked at you and not cared. Moses could have been too busy. He didn't have to walk. He didn't have to stay there. He could have said, no, I refuse. The challenge is greater than the change that I see. Yet his emotions were cutting him deep. We end up in this lonely place. The desperate landing right between there. Right between that challenge and the change. No longer feeling the spiritual high and usually not feeling the presence of God. Where are you? God usually asks us that same question. Where are you? Heaven, God, it's taken from me. God, are you even listening? You're called and you're good enough. Because God answers. And He says, Moses, this is what I want you to do. I want you to grab a couple tablets. I want you to grab a couple tablets. Now, if, you, if, if you're anybody, that the only tablet I have that God can carve is right here. And I take that tablet, and I look at that mountain. Oh, I'm low. I have no energy. And I look at that mountain, and I can say, God, it's too hard. But see, as you talked about earlier, I can declare, thank you, Jesus, for the valley. Thank you, Jesus, for the change. Because it's there. 
It's in that low place that I'm changed. And I can start to see His glory in my life. I can start to see the change that He's doing in me. It's when you're alone and broken that God is closer. Could you imagine how a pastor feels right now, today? He's in the lowest valley of his life. Everybody he just baptized in the precious name of Jesus. Everybody that was just filled with the Holy Ghost have now turned their back. And he's standing alone. But I'll tell you one thing. I'm praying for that pastor. I'm praying right now that he's like, I'm standing on the only thing that matters in my life. I might be alone. I might be hurting. The mountain may look too big right now. But I've got a God that knew enough to put me in that valley. That knew enough to put me in this place. That knew enough to change me. It's in that place that you realize today that the Jordan River, do you realize this, is about a little bit bigger than a creek? We're crossing the Jordan, right? Well, guess what? When God lays His Spirit down in front of something, it's going to dry up. So the, the, the mountain that you're trying to climb, the mountain that you can't get up, is nothing more than a little creek because God's given you everything that you need. You're not understanding. Moses didn't have the Holy Ghost in here. He wasn't running a race with a bunch of people around him that worshipped on Sunday. No. He walked through that first, that first ever. First ever service alone. He didn't do it with a choir. He didn't do it with a bunch of praise singers getting his back. He didn't have Brother Hill sitting behind him. He walked out there alone. He climbed that mountain alone. How much more then? How much more then than you and I? How much more are we going to be held accountable for? I've got the Holy Ghost. I've got His name. I've got everything that is important. Everything that this life is about. I've got a place. I've got an altar where I can claim and I can say, God, take this heart of mine. Rewrite it. Put your word in it. Change me. Change me. I need to be changed. This can't be just another service. This can't be another Wednesday night, Brother Floyd. We're coming. How much? How much longer? How much longer? I'm going to ask you. I feel the anointing. I hope this is okay. How much longer are we going to come into this place? sit right here in this pew barely worship barely declare his name in my life when all the distance is between the challenge and the change is about what 15 steps how many more services do you have to go through before God can change you before God can write his words in your heart. That's what he declared to Jeremiah. I'm lifting up a people. 
I'm going to write my word in your heart. How many more times did you have to backslide into what God called you from? Into Egypt, into the world, into drugs, into alcohol. How many more times will you come in through that sanctuary door and say, God, not this service. God, not today. I'll give you my heart tomorrow. Will there be a tomorrow? Brother Floyd, you talked about it not too long ago. From the beginning, Satan had to have an antichrist on the earth because Jesus didn't even know the day nor the hour. So Satan didn't either. How many more services do I have my pastor preaching down my throat before I say, God, here I am. Stand with me if you will. I'm not done. But I want God to move in this service. I'm asking God to come into this sanctuary. God, have your way in this place. It's not just another Wednesday night. Brother Floyd, it's another opportunity. Take that pride. Take that pride out of that 15 feet. Change me, God. I got a family that's dying. I got a world that is crumbling around me. How long will it take before I declare your name? How many more services do you realize what we have? We have a church. Week in and week out. We have revival-like preachers. We have a, a music department that is just... Uh, you cannot replace it. There's some apostolic churches you go to and you mistake them for funerals, but not in this place. How many more services... How many more times will I step back into the flesh that I was called out of? How many more times will I not let the Spirit lead my life? How many more times will I go to school and not claim God's name? God, show me Your glory. God, show me Your majesty. Change me, God. Moses, in that desperation, said, God, show me. Pass by me, God. And he said, I can't. You can't see my face. So I'm asking you this question. Jesus came. When you pray, do you seek His face anymore? Do you seek His majesty anymore? Or is it just a prayer? Is it just something to fill some time in your life? To where you could come back in this place and say, God, I know you. If you know him, then every time you pray, you want to see his face. Because you want to spend time with him.